God is my Lord, my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my shield, my savior, my strong. Should I stop? God is my support, my redeemer, my shepherd, my light, my salvation, my help. He's my hiding place, my delight, my refuge in time of trouble, my strong tower, my deliverer, my father, my portion, my comfort, my joy, my peace. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you got your notes, let's open them up today. I want to continue our series. Continue our series on on uh, storms and what we're dealing with and the things that we're facing, folks. We live in an interesting time, and today's message, I think, falls right very well in the midst of that time we live because I believe with all of my heart, it's in the storms of life that all of our confidence and character are developed. You and I sometimes go through life. We just kind of, we just kind of, you know, plow through anybody besides me does that. Some of you wives missed a great place to say amen. Cause most guys are like that. We just kind of plow through and, and uh, just do stuff and, and we fix the mistakes later. It's not a good thing. It's not a proud thing. It's just kind of a, a guy thing, which is a lousy excuse, but the only reason I have. And because of the world we live in, because of what's going on, or not actually because of what's going on, but because of what's happened 6,000 years ago in a place called called uh, the Garden, Eden. Oh, my goodness, you all have just come alive. (laughs) I didn't say anything while I was deaf, did I? Okay. God forgive me if I did. But in the Garden of Eden, it all began when man started trusting himself and no longer trusting God. And I want to help us to understand. Last week, you know, we, we got pretty much into depth. Why do these things happen? Why do storms happen? What is the cause? What is the root? Well, today I want to get to the very heart of the matter, but I don't want to stop there. I want to take you to the place of of confidence and certainty and understanding that there is a reason for every struggle you and I face. We may not like the reason. We may not like what it is or what the scripture says, but it's a fact of life, okay? The Bible tells us that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. It is the storms of life. What, 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 let me take the, the analogy away. Let me take the, the, uh, the, the, the metaphor away. It is those darkest times, and every one of us, have dealt with them. And it's in those darkest times that we want to give in the most, give out and give up the most. Am I, am I preaching to anybody but me? It's when, folks, it's when I've given my all that I got nothing left, that I just want to say, okay, enough's enough, I'm done. But the Bible says it's in those times that God's strength and light shines. It is always the darkest night 
that causes us to appreciate the brightest day. Understand, there's a reason for these times, these struggles, these difficulties, these storms of life. And it is the Lord who allows us to go through and I believe there's a rationale behind it in the midst of it. As I read from Genesis to Revelation, he allows us to go through just enough to help us to realize that without him, we can do nothing. And that through him, we can do everything. Paul is who we're going to look at this morning for just a few moments but Paul's life, the Bible says he was given more understanding and more acknowledgement. Matter of fact, the Bible says that Paul was taken up into the very presence of God to see things that he said, I can't even talk about. I don't know how to talk about it. I can't explain it. I don't, I, I, you know, I was taken up into God's presence. Now we understand the Bible says nobody can see the face of God and live. So I, I don't know what all Paul saw. I don't know at all. But the thing, there was something about this man. And we know in hindsight or after the fact is that God had to allow him to see things, to understand things, to get a grasp on things because he was going to be the one God used to pen two-thirds of the New Testament. And we find this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with the seventh verse, that kind of gives us a picture of what happened and what Paul had to do afterwards. Look at this. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, and I want you to underline this in your notes, please, to keep me from becoming proud. Can I tell you what happens a lot of times when churches grow, the pastors sometimes think it's them and not him. The thing is because their preaching is so eloquent or so wonderful or uh, their, their oratory abilities are so renowned. But ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you something? It ain't never about me. I, I preach and I every once in a while I'll, I'll go out to the podcast and I'll listen to my preaching. I'm thinking... God, it's just your grace that anybody listen to me. You didn't have to say that so loud. <laughs> but it is a fact. But look what Paul said. To keep me from becoming proud, what did God do? He allowed a storm. Now, just a momentary thorn, a storm. Listen to what he says. A messenger of Satan was sent to torment me. The Bible gives us the impression and the understanding and the inference that it was the rest of Paul's life that he was dealing with this struggle. And then he says it again. Look at this. To keep me from becoming proud. Now I want you to look at me for just a second before I continue on because this is the basis of everything that we're going to talk about this morning. This whole issue of pride. Paul said that God gave him these situations to help Paul to always understand it's about Christ. It's about God and not about him. That all the revelations, all the victories, all those overcoming times, when you have those great successes, do you give God the glory? When you have those times of victory, do you stop and, you know, God thanks? Do you really recognize, and I, do we really recognize in our lives that every good and perfect gift comes from God? My dear friend Will here, he does an awesome job where he works. He's one of the top guys. But he won't shut up about God. He said, I know what I was. 
And by God's grace, I know what I'm becoming. He said, to keep me becoming proud. And he said, three times I asked the Lord, take this thing away. Matter of fact, it says, I begged the Lord to take it away. And what was God's response? Say it with me, would you please? My grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. Say it with me, would you? My grace is all you need. Because he said, my power works best in weakness. Now, do you think God's power needs some kind of some kind of switch to make it better or worse? To make it optimum or not? No. What God is saying there, it's only in your times of weakness that you realize how much you need me. That's why it works the best. And then look what Paul goes on to say. So because of that, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses because I know it's the power of God working through me. I'm going to take pleasure. Now you talk about a guy that understands grace. I'm not talking about the grace that, you know, everything's going to be fine and everything's just going to work out. No, I'm talking about the grace that is God's power at operation in your life and mine. Like I shared last week, if if God's grace was this, this thing that just made every problem good and every situation disappear, what would you what would you do when the problems did come and the difficulties did happen as God's word says they're going to? You get mad at God. Because they didn't just work out and they didn't just disappear. So Paul goes on and says, I will take pleasure in my weakness. I will take pleasure in my insults. I will take pleasure in my hardships, my persecutions, my troubles. The ones that I go through because of Christ. Why? Because when I am weak, what's he say? I am strong. You see, God's strength in the storm is what causes you and I to understand humility. It helps you and I to come to the place that we see how much we really need God. It is Only when we realize how weak we really are that we understand how deeply we really need God. Now, this is one of the greatest struggles. It's in the travesties of life that propel us to the majesty of God, folks. But let me share a side note. Did you ever notice that sadly, the minute the storm calms, Many of those that ran to God now walk away. The Bible says it's in our weakness that he is strong. And because of his strength, you and I become strong. Why? Because humility. We understand in those weak times, God, where else do I go? What hope do I have? What victory could I possibly ascertain that could be mine outside of you working in my heart and my life? Am I making sense this morning? And I put a little note in there for you and for me. Most of our problems occur because our I, and not I as in physical E-Y-E, but our I as in me as in you, is on something else. See, the Bible says pride, not Satan, is the Christian's greatest enemy. Pride, not Satan, is the Christian's. We, we think as the devil gets us to, under, to, to accept or acknowledge that somehow it's us that is making all this come to pass when it's Christ in us. You see, the Bible says it was pride that caused Satan to fall from heaven. It was pride that called Eve to eat the fruit. It was pride that caused Israel's people to march in the desert for 40 years. And it is pride that turns many Christians away from God's grace to miss his very best. Look at Habakkuk. Chapter 2, verse 4 says, Wicked men trust in themselves alone. And then what's it say? 
and fail. But the righteous man trusts in God and lives. You see, it is through prayer and faith that we gather strength to trust in him that we will never fail even in the times of trouble. This is where humility begins to work up. We on our knees are standing the strongest and standing the tallest because we know that God is working through this situation. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, many of the storms we face in our lives are simply due to us trusting ourselves, our jobs, our security in this world rather than trusting in God. You see, the Bible tells us, Pastor Ray was talking about tithing, talking about offerings, talking about these different things that have to do with finances. Some of us get a a, a nice job. We start getting a nice paycheck, and the first one to go is God. Oh, before, man, we we were trusting God. We were believing. We were putting God first. But then all of a sudden, when things get a little secure, where does God go? We We turn our perspective. And we begin to trust the world's economy instead of heaven's glory. Proverbs chapter 16, look what it says. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Proverbs 29, 23 goes on to say, pride ends in a fall. See, pride is your biggest problem and my biggest problem. Humility, though, the Bible says brings honor. Say, Pastor, how, how is it that pride could be my biggest problem? I put God first. I trust God. I do all these things. Well, let me read James chapter 4 to you. Listen to you who say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to take this job or I'm going to take that job. You who say, I'm going to do this, that, or the other thing. He said, what is your life? Do you really think you're in charge of it? It's just a mist. It appears here for a little while and then it's gone. Look what the scripture says. Follow with me. Okay, listen. Satan is not our biggest issue. Pride. Narcissism. Self-centeredness. You see, there's three trinities in this world. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. But the toughest one, me, myself, and I. And that's the one that gets us in the biggest trouble. Look what it says here. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, I will live and do this or do that. When's the last time in your job, in your job search, in your job promotion, have you said, God, what do you want? What is your plan? Because that's what I want. You see, when we trust our strength and not God's strength, we establish the fact of how weak we really are. You say, Pastor, I think that's pretty strong, isn't it? No, because you're basing everything you are on a temporal reality. Okay, I talked about Genesis. I talked about Adam and Eve, and I talked about trusting in different things. Let me take you to 1 John chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. I think this is interesting because 3 John is just a, a composite of words that takes us into, into Jude and Revelation. But in Genesis chapter 3, we find an interesting beginning of all the struggles of mankind. <coughs> Adam and Eve is in the garden. And the Bible says that there's somebody else there. His name was Lucifer, a fallen angel. And he was having a conversation with Eve. And the Bible says, as you you read it in in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, I believe it is. It's in there, you know, know, the first, you know, five or ten verses. And he's having this conversation and he's saying, you know, God's hiding things from you. God's holding things back from you. The same thing that he tells us today. But I think it's interesting that the Bible starts with the same problem that it ends with. Look at Second or First John chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Everything in the world, say that with me. Everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man. And then it breaks it down. The lust of the eyes the boasting of what he has and does. 
Now, this is the International Bible Society translation. In your regular NIV, it says the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Look what it says. It comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away, as, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Now, I want you to look at this real quick. First John 2, look what it says. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's how the scripture ends before the great chaos, that great and terrible day of the Lord called the tribulation. Let me take you back and tell you how it began. The fall, Adam and Eve no longer listening to God, chose to listen to the lies of the enemy. The Bible says the serpent came to him, and came to them rather, and said, you see the tree? What tree? The tree of good, of the knowledge of good and evil. And then, the Luc- then Lucifer told them, you know, the Bible says, or God said, you're not supposed to touch it. You know why? Because he doesn't want you to become like him. And he knows the day you do. Well, you know, Bible says that, or the, the, the scripture says that God never said not to touch it. They had to touch it because they had to take care of it. They had to prune it. They had to water it. They had to fertilize it or whatever the different things they had. They had to touch it. But when Eve, because of the deception of Satan, says not to eat, not even to touch it. But look what it says here. Remember 1 John 2, this is where it all ends. It says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Well, look what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3. If you got it there in your Bibles, it's around verse 6, verse 6, 5, 6, 7. It says, she saw the food, the, the, the tree was good for food. What is that? It's the lust of the flesh. And then it says that it was pleasant to the eye, the lust of the eyes, and desirable to make one wise. What is that? The pride of life. You see, the issue has never changed from Genesis to Revelation. The issue is never about Satan being able to bring you down. It's when we think we stand ourselves, the Bible says, we fall. God uses humility that is found in a storm to help us to realize how much we need him. The second thing that I want to look at quickly is God's strength in the midst of the storm causes you and I to realize there's only one person we can trust. And folks, I love you and I know you love me, but it's not your pastor. And I, I'm grateful that you love the church and I'm, I'm grateful that you come to church, but it's not the church. The only one we can truly trust is who? Jesus Christ and what he has done for our life. You see, we have to realize that our dependence upon God is paramount if we're going to live a victorious Christian life. Know this, God will let us see the storm clouds coming before the storm hits. There's not a single one of us before the door slammed or before the, 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 uh, the, 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 the struggle uh, happened that we did not know things were uneasy and there was something going on. God will always allow us to see the storm clouds before the storm hits. Why? He says, guys, I may not keep the storm away, but if you trust in me, I'll get you through the other side. You see, storms are a great time for restoration, for healing. They're a great time for God to restore us to relationship and the walk that we once had in Jesus Christ or the one we are developing in God. It is also a great time to help us mature. The Bible talks about David and Bathsheba. As you read about David and Bathsheba, the way that the kings always lived in the times of the Old Testament is the king always went to battle with the people. When David fell with Bathsheba, where was he? His troops were in battle, but where was he? He was home on his rooftop. Staring at things. See, the first thing that helps us understand there's a storm coming is when we're not where we're supposed to be. 
We're not doing what we should be doing. We're not watching what we should be watching, listening to what we should be listening to. Many of us get sick spiritually and we don't even know it because we've become so acclimated to the things of this world. In 1 John chapter 16, Jesus was telling the disciples, hey, there's a time coming and now is that I'm going to be going. I'm going to leave you. And he told them certain things that was going to happen. Why? That they would not be offended. That word offended means to be entrapped or to be tripped up or to be enticed to fall or to apostatize or to turn away. I, I shared in our, in our Wednesday night Bible class uh, in one of the series that we were doing a few months ago, there is the word scandal. Jesus was called a scandalon, okay? And the Bible talks about the, the scandalon that Jesus was. Oh, not a bad one. But he said it's a stone of crumbling or a stone of offense. You're either going to trip over it and fall into me. Your life is going to crumble and realize that it's only in me you have hope. Or you're going to trip over it and fall into offense. There is an understanding that we have in this world. We're going to deal with issues. But God will always make a way possible that we don't go off the deep end. But it is still up to you and I which way we're going to go. The Bible talks about Job in Job 33. says, I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to direct you. He said, I speak to you in dreams and visions when deep sleep falls upon you in your bed. He said, I'll whisper in your ear. I'll give you warnings to help you not to do what's wrong. And then look what he says here. To keep you from pride. We wish we could point the finger everywhere else, but God continually points it back to us and said, guys, gals, understand, you need to keep your eyes focused on me. In our text, Paul said three times, God, would you take this away from me? There's somebody else that prayed three times. His name was Jesus. He said, Father, is there any other way? I don't want to go through this, but he went through it. Anyway, why? For you and for me. See, it's sometimes that the storms are the only way that God can get us on our knees. These struggles that we deal with, the sometimes the only way that God can get us on our knees. There's an old adage out there that the man that stands far, tallest is the one that's on his knees more. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge, our strength, our present help in time of trouble. Isaiah 26 says that he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. You see, in John 16, Jesus was warning the disciples about a time to come, the struggles that they were going to face because of him. Because of him. Just by virtue of the fact that you call yourself a Christian, you will deal with issues. But Jesus left them to understand. He spoke with confidence that they could overcome because he had already overcome. Can you say amen? You see, he said that even if everything else failed, my father will still be with you. And in this, you don't lose heart. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 11 and 12 says, no dis discipline for the moment seems pleasant, but painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. I was reading through some different translations and the new living translation said it this way, take a new grip with those tired hands. What is God trying to tell us? The devil is trying to trip us up. The devil is trying to discourage us. The devil is trying to deter us. But God said, I'm not going to grow weak. I'm not going to grow weary. I'm going to help you just get a grip on what life is really all about. It is always, ladies and gentlemen, after the storm, that righteousness, peace, and joy and confidence begins to build in your life. Let me quickly, as I 
prepare to close this morning. Talk about the third thing. God's strength in the storm is literally what causes you and I to have confidence. When we make it through that storm, when we go through that situation, we can confidently understand, God, thank you. I love you. You got me through this. Remember in Genesis when Abraham was told to offer his son Isaac, the Bible says that he raised the knife. He had him on the altar. He had him all prepared for the sacrifice. He raised the knife to sacrifice his son. And the angel of the Lord said, stop. Don't harm the lad. And then the angel of the Lord spoke. Now I know that you fear me. I want you to hear this for just a second. You and I have to come to grips with the reality of who Jesus is in our lives, who he really is in your life and mine. Is he just somebody I come sing to on Sundays? Is he just somebody I, you know, I, I open a book up and read about once in a while? Or is he a personal relationship that you have? Is he your Lord and Savior? See, there's a, there's a great difference between the two. A Savior saves, a Lord calls the shots. Is he really the one calling the shots in your life? Or is he only the one you talk to when things are tough? You see, we have to come to this place of placing a confidence in God that no matter what happens, God knows you're not going to give up and you know you're not going to give up. You see, after humility comes trust and then comes confidence. Jesus was telling the disciples in John 16 once again about the troubles he, they were going to encounter because of their relationship with him. Peter stood up and we know the story. He stood up and said, though everybody leave, I will not leave. What was Peter doing? He was boasting in himself. He was saying, God, hey, I'm then, I'm that, I'm, yeah, that's me. You see a little pride there? See, the Bible says in the book of Romans, take heed, he that thinks he stand, unless he falls. Peter said, hey, everybody else leaves God, you and me, we're there, yeah. We're like, we're like peanut butter and jelly, man. We're there. Peas and carrot, we're together. Broccoli and cauliflower. Well, forget that one. After humility comes trust and confidence. Peter says, though everybody leave, I won't. Peter was boasting in his own confidence, in his strength, in his physical. But at the prayer meeting, when he was all by himself. Can I tell you something? It's, it's great to stand up for God. It's easy to stand up for God in church. It's easy to stand up for God when you're surrounded by other Christian brothers and sisters. But what do you do when you're all alone? We know when Peter was by the fire and they started saying, hey, I know you. You're one of them. No, I'm not. He immediately starts denying. Why? Because his confidence was in himself instead of in Christ. What a storm will do, ladies and gentlemen, it's on the screen, it's in your notes. It will check the securities of our life and whether they're in God or in man. The psalmist wrote in the 20th chapter, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord my God. You see, storms have a way of humbling us, causing us to examine our confidence, which is based on who or what we trust. Peter knew about humility. He also knew he had a choice as to whether to be hardened or humbled as the storm blew. People talk about Judas. I find little difference between Judas and Peter other than this. Judas did and Peter didn't. They were both arrogant. They were both full of themselves. They both many times trusted somebody besides Jesus. But Peter, when he stumbled, he fell on Christ's salvation. When Judas stumbled, he fell on Christ as judge.
First Peter chapter 5. I want you to look at this. Last week, and I try to do this every week, I want you to open your Bible to this passage because I'm going to give you a very simple, very simple uh, methodology. That's not the word I'm thinking of, but a very simple way to help you to overcome every single time. Every time you're faced with a storm, every time you're faced with a situation, this passage has a very simple um, description of what to do. First Peter chapter 5, it's on the screen, but I want you to find it in your Bible because if you're like me, you write in your Bible. Look what it says here. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, he's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And then the God of grace, who has called you to eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you firm and steadfast. The first thing he tells you to do, he tells you what you have to do. You're in the midst of a storm. You're in the midst of a struggle. Look what he says. The very first thing is humble yourself. No, it's not about you. It's about Christ. It's about growing in God. He said, you want to get victory? Humble yourself under my mighty hand because I will lift you up. He tells you what to do. God, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to get better. God, I don't understand this thing, but I do know one thing. Greater is he that's in me. I'm going to humble myself unto you, God. And then he tells you how to do that. Cast all your care on me because I care for you. Take the situation and say, God, here it is. Boom. I, I don't, God, don't have a clue why I'm here. I really don't know how I got here. All I know is I'm here. But God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. He tells us what to do. He said, humble ourselves. And then he tells us how to do that. How do we humble ourselves as we realize I'm weak, he is strong. I can't stand in my own strength. I have to stand in his. Cast all of your care on him. And then he tells us why to do it. Are you seeing this? Because there's an adversary, the devil, like a lion. He's not a lion. But he tries to put fear and confusion. He says, why do you need to do it? It's because there's an enemy prowling around looking for someone to devour. How's he going to devour you? Ah, bless God. I'm going to make it. Just suck it up. That's all I got to do. Yeah. I know I should be reading my Bible, but yeah, I'm just going to plug through this thing. Oh, I know I should be in church. You know how many people stop coming to church because they're going through problems? Folks, church where you need to be when the storms are blowing. He said there's an enemy walking around like a lion. And then he gives us the reason. He tells us what to do. He tells us how to do it. And he tells us why to do it. And then he tells us the reason that you have to do it like this. Listen to what he says. Stand firm in your faith. And I want you to underline this next phrase. There's a lot of words in it, but I want you to underline this next phrase in your notes. Okay, before you do, look at me. Look at me. Isaiah, excuse me, Elijah was hiding in the caves after Jezebel. Remember the story? And he goes to God. He said, God, I'm alone. There's nobody left. Just me. Just me and you, God. You ever been there? And the Bible says that God sent, or there was a, a great earthquake. But God wasn't in the earthquake. There was a great wind. But God wasn't in the wind. See, we're always looking for these signs, church. Then the Bible says there's a great fire, but God wasn't in the fire. But there was a still, small voice. And he said, let's go back and face this thing. 
in my strength, I'll fix it. And then as Elijah is headed back to see Jezebel, <laughs> I just kind of picture the way it was be. Je- he's walking. Okay, God, I'll do it your way. Okay, God, I'll do it your way. And then all of a sudden, God whispers to him, oh, and by the way, I got 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. You see how pride gets in there? We think I'm the only one dealing with this. I'm the only one. He said, I got 7,000 haven't bowed their knees. So come on. Understand something. He said, there's a reason. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are going through the same things. How many of us go through the storm and think nobody knows what I'm going through? He said, everybody's going through the same thing. It's not a typo. Does your Bible say that? Everybody's going through the same thing. And he said, when you realize, when you realize it's all about me, God says, you'll have the confidence to realize I can get through this. He said, and the God of all grace, after you have went through a little bit, after you have suffered, will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. See, God's word is a God, is a word of turning. Turning darkness into light. Turning pain into promise. Turning, turning struggle into victory. Let me read some things to you. God wants to turn weakness to strength, grief to joy, sickness to health, anguish to hope, poverty to prosperity, darkness to light. You know what the psalmist records? I I went through through the book of Psalms and I I started writing down, well, this is what the Bible calls God. This is what God, this is what the Bible, look look at all the, you know, and, you know, I didn't go very far because I could have put this on page after page after page of how great God is to you and I. Look what it says here. God is my king. He is my glory. He's the lifter of my head. God is my righteousness. God is my Lord, my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my shield, my savior, my strong. Should I stop? God is my support, my redeemer, my shepherd, my light, my salvation, my help. He's my hiding place, my delight, my refuge in time of trouble, my strong tower, my deliverer, my father, my portion, my comfort, my joy, my peace. God is all these things in the midst of the storm. In the midst. Let me share some things as the worship team comes. Do you know the only way we'll know God is our fortress is when the enemy rushes in on us and we run to his open gates for safety. That's the only way you're going to know God as your fortress Do you understand? Do I understand? Do we understand? The only way we'll know God is our hiding place is when the enemy is crowding around us and we rest in his open arms. Do we realize the only way we'll know God as our portion is when what is very dear to us is threatened? or taken away. Mark Hassenflug, whom many of you know, him and Audrey moved to Cornville or one of those places down there. That's why you haven't seen him in church. They moved. Remember Mark, he always sat back there with Jimmy Navajo sitting, great big, tall, you know, muscular guy. Resembled me a bit. You know, Okay, maybe, okay. Well, four mornings ago he called me and, or he texted me not really being able to speak. His son died that night. Young man in his early 30s. Struggled. Struggled for years. 
made a bad decision and died. Folks, we all know the adage is I complained when I had no shoes until I saw the man with no feet. I complained of what they said about me until I saw somebody die for what they said. I, you know, I could fill in the blank anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, God is our hope. He is our strength. He is our confidence. But he has to get us past ourselves for us to see it. Satan is not our greatest enemy. The person sitting in our chair is because we allow pride to well up. Let me continue. The only way we'll know God is our portion is when that which is very dear is threatened or taken away. Where else do I go? Steve Bergeron, he's out hunting today. <clears throat> you watch them on Facebook, they're, they're looking to, to bag some elk. And he's out hunting and he and I were having a conversation the other day and somebody was complaining about a bad day and complaining about this. And I know some in this room can relate to this. But he said, Pastor, somebody comes up to me and says they're having the worst day. My son committed suicide. There's never a worse day than that. I know where he's at. I know where he's been. I know. Ladies and gentlemen, it's then you have to begin to know God as your father. Because when everything goes to hell in a handbasket, you okay out there? I have to know he's still there. I have to know he won't abandon me or leave me. See, this is what storms have a way of stirring up. Our confidence and our character can only be developed through a storm. It is there and there alone that I learn who I really trust and believe. Because the only way I'll know God is my deliverer is when I step into the unknown and he helps me past the uncertainties that I face. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want you to hear this because as James already recorded, all of us are going through the same stuff. All of us are dealing with the same issues. All of us are, are perplexed or Peter, uh, 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 Peter, I'm sorry, I said James. All of us are dealing with the same, oh, it might be a different basket. It might be a different wrapping. It may be a different scenario, but we're all dealing with the same stuff. And look what Paul says. Once again, I talk about Paul. He got, he got more revelation than anybody in Scripture. At least what I can see, more than anybody, Moses may have been close because he talked to God every day, was able to see the hind parts of God as he walked past. Abraham, a friend of God, might have been close. But Paul said, you know, I... I was taken to the third heaven. I saw things I can't even talk about. And then he started talking about his life. And we find this recorded. He said, hey, I'm a Jew of Jews. I'm a, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I, I'm a, a, of, a, of Rome. I was born. He talks about his pedigree. And he talks about his struggles. He said, I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been stoned. I've been all these different things. And then he writes these words in 2 Corinthians 4. He said, these troubles and sufferings of ours, after all, are quite small and won't last very long. Yet this short time of distress... You hear how Paul's writing here? His entire life was filled with struggle and storm and one trial after the other. He said this stuff's going to last for a short time. But you know, he says, I could just picture Paul. 
talking to Timothy, talking to the disciples, talking to the other people. He said, you know, in a short time, we're going to go through this. But God's richest blessing is going to be upon us forever and ever. And then he said, this is what I do in my life. I don't look at what I see right now. All the troubles, the difficulties, the struggles. No. He said, I keep my eyes focused on the joys of heaven that I have not yet seen. The troubles that we face will soon be over. But the joys to come will last forever. Ladies and gentlemen, it is here that I can confidently say like the psalmist, when I pray, you answer me. And you encourage me because you give me the strength I need. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you've been. But I do know that this message is for you. It came out of your mailbox. Because we're dealing with stuff. We're going through stuff. And God says, okay. I'm right there with you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. Put your confidence and trust in me. Folks, I wish you could say, I put it in my pastor's teaching. Or I put it in some new book. Or I put it in some new message. or some. Folks, no. You better put it in Jesus. He's the only one that doesn't change. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Maybe you're here and you're struggling. Maybe you're here and you're going through stuff. Maybe you're here and this whole election thing has just got you fit to be tied. Your confidence and your character isn't coming from Washington. It isn't coming from Gore. It isn't coming from from wherever the other places here in town are that you work. It's coming from Jesus. And maybe you need that shot in the arm of him just telling you, hey guys, I'm there. Hey guys, I'm there. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.